This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And welcome from Memphis, Tennessee, where I am with women's basketball. We'll be on the air on Saturday afternoon. The Women got a big win, an impressive win against Tulsa on Wednesday night in the first of our swing trip to take command of the American Athletic Conference at the midway point. We'll preview that game. We'll also give you some highlights from Wednesday. There were some good ones, as we did not do a show on Thursday. We'll also give you, even though it was a very tough-to-take loss, there were some big-time moments for the Bulls, particularly two late comebacks. In overtime, they ended up losing, and of course, free throws were the costly part of that. Brian Gregory in the postgame interview, you can just hear in his voice the pain, but it just we want to paint the picture of what happened, and we'll do it. But we'll also preview what's coming up this weekend. Again, the women play Saturday afternoon in Memphis. Hey, what's going on in Tampa on a Saturday afternoon that's going to keep you from listening to that game live on USF Bulls Unlimited? We'll also preview the men who also on a swing trip, meaning you don't come home between the two games are in Dallas right now. They'll play SMU on Sunday afternoon. Speaking of the conference, which again the women are in control of now, we'll give you a good about 8 to 10 minutes of Around the American at the end of the hour, as there have been a lot of games that have taken place over the last couple of days. We'll also preview men's tennis playing in a major event this weekend in Gainesville. Track and field is also back at it as well. On to the basketball games from Wednesday night, and looking forward to the ones this weekend. Wednesday night, it was an impressive and thorough display by USF in Tulsa. The Bulls came in 7-0, Tulsa 5-1, and and a real chance for separation atop the standings that the Bulls took advantage of. Also on the same front, Wednesday night, East Carolina, which came in with two losses, got beat, just so happened, by the next Bulls opponent. So it helped the Bulls in that way, but now you're concerned with Memphis, which we will talk about here shortly. But the Bulls started off in Tulsa, and the Golden Hurricane had all of the accolades when it came to three-point shooting, rightfully so. Tamira Poindexter, who can score from anywhere, just an ultra-talented player as a sophomore. You know she's going to be an all-conference performer. She's their leading scorer. Their fifth-year player, Maddie Biddle, is somebody who has really just turned it on of late, went from almost exclusively shooting threes to mixing it up more of a 60-40 to 40 ratio, shooting twos to shooting threes, and had been in double figures in all six of the AAC games. So dangerous offense, but you knew interiorly that they were going to have some issues slowing down Dulce Fankamengiadu for the Bulls. They don't really have a true post player like they've had in the past. And early on, even though Biddle would get 12 points in the first quarter, the Bulls showed they meant business and would be hard to stop before all that happened. Chinecki into Dulce, one-on-one this time. That should be two points, and it is. Dulce Fankamengiadu. Carlo Brito passes on a shot. Oh, nice little find to Chinecki, and one! What an assist from Brito. Three on the shot clock. She hands it off to Chinecki. That's a good-looking jumper. Rims off. What a rebound by Dulcie. Misses the shot, though. Uncontested. Gets it back and puts it in. I told you, she's going to have a day. If they continue to single-team her, look out for her to get a huge day. Mayberry sneaks inside the free throw line. That one misses. The Bulls are guarding the arc. Going to guess that Tulsa has not gone three minutes in a game without a three-point attempt. Again, they're second in the country. And that category. Puises at the free throw line opens up. Nice drive to the hoop and Sammy knocks it down. It's 9-3. Tulsa looks to answer right away with Poindexter trailing but they step out on her. That's a long two. The letter had that off the mark and Ariel Wilson gets the rebound. 
Shocking that Tulsa doesn't have a three-point attempt. Going the other way, Wilson Abrito. That is a beautiful fast break. A great show by the Bulls here so far, 11-3. It's the kind of start that we saw against UCF and we saw again. So after slow-ish starts marked the first six games in conference play, the Bulls have been picking up the pace. However, Tulsa, you knew, would get some points. They actually fouled Biddle trying a three. She would hit three free throws and then an actual three to get down to four and the Bulls only led by three at the end of the quarter, 23-20, and Ariel Wilson had to sit out with those two fouls in the frame. Marina Asensio did a nice job playing point guard when she needed to for the Bulls, and she needed to come up with a shot late in the first half as the Bulls had their one, can't call it a bad quarter, because they would end up outscoring Tulsa in an 18-11. Check out this pivotal end to the quarter try. A 14-2 run to take command. Chinecki out of control. Got to get rid of it. She does. Tabrito. 10 on the shot. Nice little hero step. Terrible shot. But it goes to Dulce and she finishes. I don't know if that wasn't a pass off the backboard. When I say terrible shot, she might have missed it that badly to get it over to Dulce. File that one away. We are tied. 29 apiece. Golden Hurricane are 3 for 6 on threes. Bulls are 0 for 8. Bulls are getting out scored 9 to 6 in this period. Thank you, at the elbow with a guard on her. She's got to get open. She gets fouled and she knocks it in. Wow. That was a mismatch and a half. Here comes Sammy Puises in for Arnio. So we'd love to see her. Maybe with a flourish here at the end of the first half. 31-29 Bulls with 2.40 to go. Puises, I thought, kicked the ball. They didn't call it there. So I guess she got it with just her, sort of her shin. So that's a turnover forced by Sammy. Nice job. Asensio, oh, nice find to the fellow Spaniard, Carla Brito. And what a pass by Asensio. Wonderful to see her playing well out there. Off the bench, wide open for three. Puises knocks it down. At long last, it took the Bulls 18 minutes and 15 seconds to make their first three. They figured Sammy was a candidate, and it's 36-31. Puises with five on the shot clock, far from the basket, gets it out to Asensio. She sees the situation, puts up a floater. Oh, what a shot! Marina Asensio, a magnificent floating J, and it's a seven-point lead. Second free throw looks off as well. So the Bulls say thank you very much. 20 seconds left. Bulls should slow it down here. And Jose says do. So Bulls at least will be up seven at the break. I'm thinking they're going to go to Sammy here. Asensio top of the key with 10. Off to Chinecki right side. Sammy's wide open in the corner. They find her. It's going up, and it's going down. Pui for three. And it's a 10-point lead for the Bulls. Across midcourt is Crawford after the horn. That's not going to count. What a flurry to end the first half for USF. At no point during that second quarter did you think the Bulls were going to be up 41-31 at the half, but indeed they were. Fancam Angiadio almost had a double-double in the half, 14 points and 9 rebounds, and those 14 coming with 0 of 3 at the free throw line. The Bulls as a team were only 1 of 4. They would improve that mark in the second half. Tulsa was getting to the free throw line a lot more and hitting 10 for 13, but their traditional 3-point barrage never took place and the second half became about the Bulls just maintaining and really putting together some highlight reel buckets here's a little of that action Tulsa has the ball to start the second half going from right to left they get an open three Delaney Crawford misses and almost got away from Dulcie for what would have been the first offensive rebound of the game instead oh Carla Brito spin move high off the glass and fouled so quite a start to the second half for the Bulls make it an extended 16 to 2 run and that was a nifty move Chinecki now hesitation dribble and swishes it to her 
her right hand. The Bulls have had some stylish buckets today. That's the latest. Puisis has it, wants to feed Dulce. Oh, nice bounce pass to Danny Gonzalez, and one! Danny Gonzalez gets fouled. USF bench counting it down. Chinecki knows with five she has to drive. She does. Oh, what a quick move. Rims out, Dulce gets the rebound, gets fouled, and puts it in! The Bulls are absolutely destroying Tulsa on the offensive glass. Chinecki wants to drive, but oh, tough lane, and she creates the reverse layup. There was nowhere to go. She created it, and it's 65-49. Foul line extended to Dulce. Wilson into Gonzalez. Now five on the shot, spin move, tough shot, and scores. The Bulls have made a lot of those tough shots today. And it is 60-50 just like that. Dulce officially got that rebound. She is on 21 and 15. She is in 2020 range. Against a man to man over to Dulce. Again, one on one, forget it. Turns on point Dexter, and you are not going to stop Dulce Fank and Mengiato with that defense. A vast assortment of maneuvers by Dulce Fank and Mengiato winner. 25 points and 15 rebounds. Elena Chnecki scores 21. They combined went 20 for 35 from the floor. Bulls only went 9 of 16 at the free throw line. That kind of performance that hurt the men's basketball team when you're up by 15 and 20, it doesn't hurt you as much. That's the only thing that you would hope the Bulls shore up a little bit against Memphis tomorrow. Sammy Puisa scored 11, 4 for 12 overall, but her three made threes were at that key sequence late first half, early second, when the Bulls took a close game and blew it open. Ariel Wilson, the point guard, did turn it over four times, but she also had four assists. Brito, nine points, and Danny Gonzalez, a career-high 12. Those six players are all looking fantastic. And as Jose said, after the UCF game, when basically the entire bench showed out, if you can start to get more contributions, although on Wednesday it was just Asensio doing the honors with 15 minutes. No one else played more than eight. Got to mention, though, Maria Alvarez sank a couple threes at the end of the 89-68 victory. Bulls ended up making one fewer three than Tulsa did, and that is a feather in their cap for the way they defended the perimeter. Bulls shot more than 51% as a team, Tulsa at 41%, and the Bulls win the boards 46-26. to Now they play a Memphis team that they've already beaten, but that was kind of a rough game in Tampa without much offensive flow, 58-48 to was the score. Bulls were only up a point at the break, outscored the Tigers 18-8. The thing to remember is that they held their best two shooters, Madison Griggs and Jamira Schutz, to a combined 1-for-13 on threes and a combined 11 points. That's not normally them, and I'm guessing at home they'll be a little better. Dulce Fank and Mengiadu, 12 points and 15 rebounds. Let's see if she has a good game in Memphis where she and Ariel Wilson played for a couple years the year before they came to USF. Since the Bulls beat Memphis back in Tampa, the Tigers went on to Cincinnati and rolled by 20. The two shooters that the Bulls held down got their flow back. Jamira shoots 11 for 14 at the line, scored 22 in that one. And Maddie Griggs, great three-point shooter, hit for 19. Then they turned around and beat Temple 64-53. And what do you know? They made it a three-game winning streak on Wednesday night. An impressive showing handling the ball against an East Carolina team that turns its opponents over around 25 times a game. The Memphis Tigers only turned it over 13 times. Actually, only had one player score in double figures. It was shoots with 24, again, getting to the line plenty and playing some good defense against East Carolina. Memphis is led by shoots 14.5 points per game, even though she's only hitting 23% on threes. So watch out if she makes a couple. Griggs is the one who has the fantastic three-point shooting percentage. 54 makes, 40%. And then Imani Jefferson is the one that likes to try and get to the line. She shoots over 51% at 
and is their third leading scorer. Hannah Riddick, who we've been impressed with, a young player, doesn't score a ton, but is a very aggressive sort, has 46 offensive rebounds, and averages six boards per game. Of course, the Bulls have some pretty nice numbers right now, too. Although with her 12 points, Sammy Puises just dipped below, averaging 16 points. The Bulls, for more than a couple weeks, have had three players, all between 16 and 18. Chinecki leads the way with a 17.4 average up to the minute. Dulce Fankam Angiotti, 16.7 points and 12.5 rebounds exactly. Puises averaging 15.9, and then Brito. 8.8 a game and second behind Dulcie as far as rebounds go, averaging five and a half. We will be on the air at 2.45 Saturday afternoon from Memphis. Then Sunday, it'll be the men against SMU. We'll give you some dramatic comeback action and I thought some dramatic post-game comments from Brian Gregory. And yeah, tennis and track and field also in action this weekend. So a lot to get to still here on Bulls Beat. Stay tuned. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Got to do some hanging out on Beale Street with the crew last night. Actually, our hotel is right on Beale Street here in Memphis, and we will make our moves over to the Roan Fieldhouse for the game on Saturday. Actually, look for some photos from practice this afternoon. As if you follow me on Twitter, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. We'll do that for you. Now, hopefully, well, you better. In fact, I know you do follow USF Men's Basketball on Twitter, at USFMBB. And before every game, sometimes the day before, sometimes the day of, at least road games, Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnson do their absolutely must-view themed preview. The other day, of course, going up against Temple, it was Rocky-inspired. Let's get ready to rumble. And I'm sure it'll be some sort of cowboy theme. Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston, outstanding actors, along with play-by-play man. And boy, do they have some drama to give you on Wednesday night. We had that true doubleheader. We tossed it right to them in Philadelphia, and it was a similar game to the last time the teams played. Temple won it with more free throws. In this case, the Bulls had a chance to have as many free throw makes, and they just couldn't do it. Part of their game that was so great against UCF, just two misses, and of course Tyler Harris going 13 for 13. Well, in this game, he only got there once. He shot one for 11. The Bulls shot 8 for 21 at the free throw line, and yet still had every chance to win the game. It really shows you how the effort was for USF. These highlights will tell you how the effort was. Yes, if you just want to circle one stat and go, well, they're not any good, they need to make their free throws, it's not fair to the team because of how hard they're playing. And, of course, they're not missing the free throws on purpose, and they had, again, been good in that category of late. First half, Tyler Harris actually made his only three at the very end of the half. Here's just a couple of highlights. That and, oh yeah, another Keyshawn Bryant highlight reel dunk. And great line by Jim Lighthall. Here comes Tyler Harris back the other way. Hesitates to Keyshawn, and there's a two-handed flush. Oh, he cracked the Liberty (laughs) Bell with that one. Unbelievable. Keyshawn Bryant flashing into your living room, as Dick Enberg used to say, and throws it down with authority. He's done, sets his feet, fires a three, and got it. With 11 seconds to go before the intermission. Turbo penetration set that up. Here's Tyler Harris. Crosses midcourt with five. Now with four. Stops. Steps back. Launches a three from deep. That's good! With a second to go. The dagger from the littlest guy in the floor. And he ties the game at 34. You want me to wait till the last second to make my first shot? By God, I'll do it. Certainly was a momentum-looking type play. But again, that would be his only bucket of the entire game. And again, the Bulls still had a chance, even when they were down 
by 10. Temple was getting some calls. The Bulls weren't making free throws. That's where we pick it up. An unlikely comeback to force overtime. Now he gets it to White. He's going to drive it into contact. Floater off the rim. Didn't go. And oh my heaven's sakes. The latest whistle in the history of whistles. It rolls off the rim. Russell Chiwa gets the rebound. And then the whistle comes. Wow. And White shoots the second one. The lead is 10. Miguel, shot clock down to 7. He's outside the arc. Hesitation between the legs. Shot clock down to 2. Tries to get to the basket. Throws up a runner that's good. Somehow, someway, Selton Miguel snakes his way to the hoop. Well, give credit to Selton Miguel's work ethic. 1-1 one and one off the front rim. And the Bulls are 6 for 16. Second free throw by Russ. Off the rim. No good. And a rebound by Temple. You just don't have much of a chance, Joey, when the clock is stopped and you have opportunities. Miguel back to Harris at the top. Wants a screen from Chiwa. Goes around two guys. He's going to launch a three left wing. That's no good. Corey Walker rebound. He's going to go right back to the basket. Goes over John Cooch and got the shot to go. I don't know what's gotten into Corey Walker the last two games, but he is showing signs of being somebody the Bulls can rely on. He's playing great. Here's Jordan on the perimeter. 13 to go on the shot clock. Battle. Ball above his head. Goes baseline. Selt Miguel ran into him. Throws a runner that didn't go. Walker with another rebound. Outlet to Tyler Harris. Here comes the Bulls. Lead pass to Keyshawn Bryant. Floater off the window. Good. It's a four-point game. This is Bryant. Elevates. Fires from 16. Splashdown. Keyshawn Bryant has 20. His first 20-point game as a bull. How about it? Keyshawn Bryant. Clutch. Battle. Four on the shot clock. Fires and hits a three. Boy, they needed that in the worst way. That stops the 8-0 run to Tyler Harris. USF sets up their offense with three and a half minutes to go. One-handed pass in the corner. Down low to Russell Chiwa. Tries to step through. Reverse layup. He rattled it in. Russell Chiwa snakes his way to the basket. It's a three-point game. Pass inside to Chiwa, who was wide open. Great look from Walker. One-point game. Now into the corner. It goes to battle. Step back with 2.08 to go in the game, and he hits another three. Not justice at all, as well as the Bulls played on defense in that possession. They're going to call it a two. Boy, they were a lot more confident in that than I was because I could have looked at that all day and couldn't have made a decision. Ah, that's what these guys do for a living, Jim. <laughs> Bulls are down three. Two minutes to play. Every possession magnified at this point. Tyler Harris and Chiwa still a double team. Walker with a touch back to Harris. Tries to go around battle. Gets to the free throw line. Now gets into the paint. Leaves it for Russ. Layup. Good. Fouled. A chance at a three-point play. And Russ was the beneficiary of all the hard work by the point guard right there. Russell Chiwa has come alive here late. 14 points for him to go along with five rebounds. But the most important shot is the one that comes at the free throw line where the Bulls are three for ten in the second half. Chance to complete the three-point play for Russ. Good. A big one right there. And it's tied at 70. How about it? This game was teetering out of control, and now the Bulls have battled back. And that was with 1.42 to go, and that would be it as far as points in regulation. Bulls had a couple of three-point looks. Temple really didn't have much of a clean look. There were no missed free throws in there, if you're wondering. Just a couple of chances by both teams and many replays on who the ball went out of bounds on. So the Bulls, I really thought we're going to pull it off, but then they fall behind quickly in the overtime 75-70, and that was that because the Bulls went to the free throw line and missed a front end, so it's over. Oh, no, it's not. Another comeback. Here's Chiwa at the line. Fires around the rim and off. They just can't make a free throw. There's your story. Yeah. If this one is not going the Bulls' way, we have a major storyline as to why. Seven for 19 from the line. Bulls down five in overtime. 3.20 to go. 
Reynolds on the block. Goes right to the basket. Tries to pull his way back to the basket. Blocked by Corey Walker and picked up by USF. Here comes Tyler Harris the other way. Passes left side to Bryant. Sets his feet. Fires a three. That's off the rim. Long rebound. Corey Walker got it. Gets it to Tyler Harris. Kicks it in the corner. Selton Miguel. Bulls still down five. They haven't scored in the extra session. Three minutes to go. Harris drifting left. Gets a screen from Chiwa. Passes back to Selton Miguel. He's got Damian Dunn on him. He's going to go to the basket. Throws a runner. That's good. Snakes his way in there and lays it in. It's down to three. 75-72. They'll give him the shot. Battle. Left wing. Shot clock down to four. He's going to pull the trigger. Shot clock at three. Steps back. Launches. Off the rim. Didn't go. Tipped and knocked out of bounds. Last touched by the Temple Owls. It'll be Bulls ball with 2.09 remaining. Exactly two minutes left to go in overtime. Miguel straight on. It's going to launch a three. Yes! To tie it! 75. The Bulls have scratched and clawed their way back. And Selton Miguel has scored all five points for the Bulls in overtime. He's got 15. And the Bulls would actually take the lead. Keyshawn Bryant split a pair of free throws, but a nice play to Nick Jordan inside for a dunk. Temple went up with 48 seconds to go. Tyler Harris couldn't convert in the paint with about 25 seconds left. Temple sinks its free throws. Bulls go for a quick two and fumble it away. And Tyler Harris had a look at a three to force a second overtime, but the Bulls could not get the victory. Keyshawn Bryant, sensational. 21 points, six rebounds. Selton Miguel, you heard the key buckets there in OT, ended up with 15, as did Russ Chiwa, who pulled down seven rebounds, but was just three of eight at the line. And again, the head coach knows it. Then we tighten it up in the last eight minutes, did a great job of controlling the glass and, and getting out and getting some transition baskets because of it you know sam sick didn't didn't help just not able to go jameer's foul trouble obviously as well and you know when you're when you're on the road um and you're aggressive and you get to the you know that's the best in terms of you know getting to the line the best in the league is temple and we go 21 times they go 22 and the difference was we we go eight of 21. they did a great job on a couple key possessions at the end of the game you know, ran our stuff and just not able to get anything. Went to one guy one time, one guy the other, and they just did a really good job defensively. We talked about you had to be tough. I thought we, at times, were really, really tough, and you got to be disciplined. I think the 17 turnovers hurt us again. You know, and second chance points, you know, we get 12 rebounds. We score 17 on that. Again, you know, we, we moved the ball pretty well, 17 assists or uh, 18 assists on 30 baskets. But we had some guys that, you know, have been playing well, didn't play quite as well, but you got to give them credit. They just toughed it out. They, you know, that's what they do, and, and um, we weren't able to, to finalize it. That was with Jim and Joey postgame. If you want to hear the whole thing, it's up on the Unlimited Unloaded page platform. Now on to SMU, where you would think the Bulls have a good chance. SMU has really struggled after, of course, Kendrick Davis, their star point guard transferred to Memphis, where incidentally last night he went up against SMU in Memphis and went off as the Tigers put up 99 on SMU. 99-84 was the final. Davis scored 25 points with 11 assists in that one. Zurich Phelps did score 20. He has been the leading scorer for SMU. The sophomore guard, Zach Nuttall, is their best three-point shooter. But the Mustangs overall are 7-14, and 14, so the Bulls have a good feeling about this one, but you never know. 
The guys will be at the Moody Coliseum in Dallas pregame of 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. Men's tennis is going to get in its two toughest matches of the year, would appear this season, after starting off 0-3 at an event in Boca Raton and then going to FGCU, grabbing a win last Friday before taking two at home. They're 3-3. They're playing in the ITA kickoff event. It's kind of a neat event where it's been a few months, but the best teams in the country kind of go in order. The top 15 get to host four team regionals and then it was actually a draft it went in order and whatever spot you wanted to go to you picked the Bulls selected to go to Gainesville knowing they would play the Florida Gators in the first match and that'll be today at two Florida comes in one and one lost to a very good team number eight Texas the Gators are ranked 16th their head coach Brian Shelton comes in two wins shy of 200 so he'll be looking to get there the match today is at two o'clock The other two teams are SMU and Mississippi State. Of course, the Bulls could end up playing their conference foe, and the Gators could end up playing theirs. The Friday winners play each other. The Friday losers play each other. Saturday morning, the consolation match is at 10. The match to advance to Chicago, and the final 16 is at 2 o'clock. Mississippi State is 4-0. SMU is 5-1. and one. It's only lost to a very highly ranked TCU. So if the Bulls can come away with a split this weekend, I'm telling you, that'll be good. First match is Friday at 2 o'clock against Florida. And track and field competing at the Lenny Lyles Invitational indoors. Thankfully, it is the indoor track and field season after all in Louisville, Kentucky. So we'll have a full weekend to recap for you on Monday's Bulls beat. But that's going to wrap up our Friday show. I'm Derek Sharp. We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week, we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. Taking you through the last couple of days in basketball, some noteworthy results setting up the weekend schedule for you, and also telling you who else is competing in the ITA kickoff as far as tennis goes. It is a very strong conference on the men's side, so plenty of those teams are in action. Of course, the Bulls were the headliner on Wednesday night when it comes to women's basketball. It was the technically battle of the top two teams in the league, and USF set down Tulsa 89-68 as we chronicled on Bulls beat. East Carolina could have found itself a half game out of second place, but instead fell to Memphis 61-53. We touched a little bit on it on Bulls beat talking about Memphis, but the Pirates looked like they'd be fine. They scored six in a row. They were up 14 to 6, but Jamira Shoots would hit a 3 and Memphis would go on a 7 nothing run of its own. Game went back and forth. This was anybody's game. It was 29-28 at the half East Carolina. Then East Carolina, a 5-point swing in the final few seconds of the third quarter and the Pirates would lead going into the fourth, 46-45, but that's when Shoots would score 10 of her 24, started a 10-1 run that would put Memphis up and they would win it by the score of 61-53. to Memphis actually comes in to this weekend with the second-best net ranking because, remember, they played South Carolina and Indiana, and even though they didn't win either of those games naturally, they get boosted in the computer ranking. As far as the conference goes, the Tigers are in fourth place, but only a game out of second and a half game from third. It goes Bulls 8-0, Tulsa 5-2, East Carolina falls to 5-3. Then it's Memphis, SMU, and Houston all at 4-3, and three. and remember, the top five teams get a first-round bye in the conference tournament, so you want to finish in that top five. And then just a game behind that trio of squads is Temple at 3-4, and four. and don't forget Tulane, even though right now they technically sit in eighth place at 3-5. and five. 
they put together some nice wins of late, including a win over Tulsa. However, not a nice win on Wednesday night as the Green Wave fell to Temple at home. This was a crazy game. Temple wins at 68-59. Tierra East, who has not done much scoring the ball for them, had 20 points and a career-high tying 11 rebounds. And it went back and forth. Temple had an 11-0 run early to go up 18-9. Started off the second quarter 9-2, only to have Tulane come all the way back and take the lead in the third, only to have Temple answer with back-to-back threes. And then Temple goes on a 14-0 run as they go up by 19 points. Tulane actually ran off 11 straight again, but it was just too much of a deficit, and that's a big win for Temple. Houston is 7-13 overall, but 4-3 in the American, and again, only one game out of second place. Cincinnati stays winless. Houston defeats Cincinnati in a matchup of future Big 12 teams. Boy, the Bearcats are struggling. 0-6 in the conference. Houston gets them 63-39. The Cougars had a 16-0 run that took only five and a half minutes in the second quarter for a 29-10 lead. Held Cincinnati to just 23.5% from the field. That's Houston's best defensive effort since 2014. Four games again will be held all on Saturday afternoon, actually, when we hit the air from Memphis. These games will be around halftime. Wichita State at Cincinnati, UCF at Temple, SMU at Tulsa, and on Sunday, the lone game and an important one, Tulane at Houston. It really is interesting after the Power Five, and just like on the men's side, you have to call it the Power Six because the Big East is included in that, especially on the men's side, but on the women's side. Eight teams from the Big East are in the top 100. But the American, by far and away, is the next best conference with seven teams in the top 100. Only two others have as many as four. That would be the Missouri Valley and the Atlantic 10. A few others have three, some that you think would be better, like the West Coast has Gonzaga at 38, then it drops down to Portland at 80, and BYU, which was a tourney team last year at 99. And then some leagues that you would assume have at least one team in the top 100 don't. But having said that, it really only foretells that the Americans going to have a ton of teams in the WNIT because none of those teams 2 through 7 after the Bulls, who, by the way, as of today, sit in the 29 spot, are even close to the top 50 with Memphis leading the way at 67. And by the way, East Carolina just slipping in there at 100. The only chance for the American to get two teams into the tournament. Well, there's two chances. One, USF loses in Fort Worth at the conference tourney. Or somebody like, I would guess, Tulsa would be the best candidate goes on a big-time run here. And they do get to play in Tampa again. From Tulsa's perspective, that'll be a big chance, maybe. Men's action on Wednesday night outside of our game in Philly. It was number three Houston going to UCF and winning 82-71. Definitely got a challenge from the Knights, and anytime it seemed like the Knights were making a push, Emmanuel Sharp, yes, son of the other Derek Sharp, the USF basketball player, Emmanuel Sharp came off the bench to score 18 points. They also got 17 from Joyce Walker. Their point guard, Jamal Shedd, had 14 points and 10 assists. Ithiel Horton had 18, Taylor Hendricks 17, including a three-point play on the back end of a 6-0 run that pulled it to within five with seven minutes to go, but Sharp would hit a shot on the other end, and Houston just made the shots it needed to. A thriller here, Tulane needed to go overtime to win at Wichita State. 95-90 was that final score. The Jalens, Forbes 25 and Cook 20 with six of Cooks coming in overtime led the way as they generally seem to do for Tulane. And last night, as we told you about on Bulls beat Memphis with Kendrick Davis leading the way, took down SMU by the score of 99 to 84. As far as this weekend, UCF hosts Temple, Cincinnati at Houston, both early afternoon games on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we've got 
along with the Bulls playing in Dallas, Memphis at Tulsa, Wichita at East Carolina. Let's check the conference standings on the men's side. Houston 7-1. and one. Temple, oh yeah, that Temple team that the Bulls took to overtime is in second place. Remember, they beat Houston, so it wasn't just some one-off thing. Temple is 7-2. and two. Then it's Memphis at 6-2, and two, Tulane in fourth place, a half game behind at 6-3. and three. Cincinnati a half game behind Tulane in fifth at 5-3. and three. And again, just like on the women's side, the top five get a first-round conference tournament bye. Even had they won the other night, the Bulls would still be two games behind fifth-place Cincinnati. And remember, they lost the Bearcats. So I'd say right now you're aiming to get as high as the number six spot, currently held by UCF at 4-4, four and four, and the Bulls are 2-6. and six. Only a game, though, out of seventh. That's Wichita. Just gave you the women's conference outlook as far as NCAA hopes. Of course, Houston still ranked one according to the computers, by the way, hoping for a number one seed. Memphis would make the field based on its current situation at 40. UCF really got hurt by a certain loss last weekend and then had the chance to beat Houston, obviously, on a Wednesday. But the Knights are 58th, according to the computers. And Cincinnati at 81, that's it for the top 100. Tulane's dropped out at 101. It's funny, there are far more women's American teams in the Computer 100 than the men, but the men's outlook is a little bit brighter for multiple teams going to the NCAA tournament. Last year, men's tennis sent four to the tourney, even though they all lost in the first round. But because of those finishes and high computer rankings, you're going to have a lot of American teams taking part in the ITA kickoff weekend. Can one pull off a couple of big victories in advance. Of course, the Bulls are hoping to do that in Gainesville. UCF plays tomorrow in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm guessing it'll be indoors. Ohio State is the number two seed. The other two teams in that regional are, yes, another conference squad, Tulsa and Oregon. Again, the first round winners play each other, and whoever goes 2-0 advances to play in Chicago, along with the Sweet 16 in this event, so to speak. Memphis also in it, not with another conference team. The Tigers are out in L.A. where they will play UCLA on Saturday afternoon. And actually, UCLA is the second highest ranked team. 25th, USC is the host at 7 and plays Vanderbilt. And remember, this was an event where if you weren't one of the hosts, you just went in order of your ranking. You got to pick where you're headed. UCLA picked going to Southern Cal. So I'm imagining that those rivals will be expecting to play one another. For the women... Three schools in the ITA kickoff event, UCF, which is the top 25 foe, goes to Auburn and actually plays a ranked team first and undefeated Arizona State. Auburn is playing Cal Santa Barbara. Tulsa is in Norman, Oklahoma, where the Sooners are the only ranked team. Tulsa starts off with Texas Tech. It's Oklahoma facing Minnesota. And smart decision on where to go for the other conference team, Memphis, which is 0-3, chose Malibu, where it's ninth-ranked Pepperdine playing Clemson. And Memphis plays Columbia. So we'll sum it all up for you a full weekend Monday afternoon on Around the American. But that's your Friday edition. I'm Derek Sharp.